this is uh, the second part of a five-part series called The Five-Fold Family that uh, I started as a month or, s- or a month and a half, six weeks, some time ago. Um, we got interrupted with Easter and all that sort of stuff. Here comes the rain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It would be lovely, though, if there was a portal of no rain above our house that's currently in construction. So. Uh, so this morning I want to talk about the prophetic part of the fivefold ministry in building uh, community. And so the, the prophetic community, fivefold family, but the prophetic dynamic uh, of the community. And so as we, we look across um, the the scriptures and and seeing the role of the prophets, particularly in the Old Testament, um, but following through then that um, that that gift set, is prophets. Um, their primary role is calling people to covenant faithfulness to God. So it was uh, it was often the the prophets that God would raise up to be a mouthpiece for His heart to the to the nations to different areas to call them back into covenantal faithfulness to God, always calling them back, um, you know, giving out warnings, but even the warnings that the prophets would speak would be a warning about what would happen if you didn't come back, turn back to the Lord. Because God is jealous for his people. He loves his people. He loves the nations. And he's always wanting to draw them back in. So uh, primarily in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke on behalf of God. They were the voice of God to God's people. And uh, through what we call like foretelling and foretelling. So speaking of the future, speaking about what God is going to do in the future, and also speaking uh, and giving understanding of what the Lord was doing in the past. So giving revelation and understanding to the people of God. So then we shift into the new covenant uh, reality that we live in. And the role of the prophets, although similar, kind of slightly changes and the gift set is expanded then to more than just the prophets but to the people of God to become a prophetic people. So uh, we have the Holy Spirit then released and as Jesus said before the Holy Spirit came he said I'm going to go but I'm going to send you my spirit and it's actually better that I go because when I go and the spirit comes you're going to be in safer hands and the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. So we understand uh, above teaching, above you know, revelation and understanding, and even above the scriptures, the Holy Spirit's role is to lead us into all truth. The Trinity is not Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, as, and I love the Bible. We are so blessed to have All of the writings contained together, there's authority in it because of the authority of the ones that uh, spoke it and, uh, and had it recorded. But the authority that comes is the authority of the Holy Spirit. The one that gives life to the words of God is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is released upon all of us when we come into that new creation reality, when we're born again by the Spirit of God, we receive the Spirit of God. We become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 2, it even talks about that we have the mind of Christ. And if you look into the the language that Paul is using there, he says, you know, no one knows the thoughts of a person except the Spirit of that person. And nobody knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And you have that spirit. Therefore, you have the mind of Christ. You have all of the thoughts of God dwelling inside of you 
by the Holy Spirit. You're thinking, surely not, Brad. Well, according to the Apostle Paul, and I feel like he has more spiritual authority than I do, and it was recorded and written down in a book, um, so that's what he says. And that's what it is to be a spiritually mature person, is one who hears from the Holy Spirit and can receive spiritual wisdom in that way because their spirit has been awakened to the voice of God. In the book of 1 Corinthians also, and around you know, chapters 12, 13, and 14, um, Paul talks about the, his desire that all would prophesy. He says, I, I desire that all would speak in tongues, but even more so that you would prophesy. So Paul's desire is that the prophetic gifting would be released right across all of God's people and that you would prophesy. So if you ask the question, well, am I supposed to prophesy? Yes, you are. But I don't hear from God. Then figure out how to hear from God. It should, should never be a condemnation, it's an invitation. Anytime that something is presented to you in Scripture that says, but I can't do that or I don't do that, it's always an invitation, not a condemnation. And we live under too much condemnation. Well, I, but I just, you know, I don't hear from God, so I'm not going to go and prophesy over somebody. Well, the first, if I don't hear from God, but the, the Bible says that I should and I can, that Jesus, that his sheep hear his voice. Okay, so there's an invitation right there that I can hear from God. It's your inheritance. Part of your inheritance is to be able to hear the voice of God. Not just know, well, I have the Holy Spirit in me and I have all of the thoughts of God in me, but I actually get to access that, hear and receive from God. That's what we we're praying as we, as we we're worshiping at the end there, that we would see the blind would see that we could see Jesus and hear from him. So the prophetic uh, gift repeats the voice of God, communicates the heart of God, and, and seeks to reflect the nature of God in order to draw people into intimacy with God. God is revealed to draw people in. Now there is a time coming where God will be revealed to release judgment. But... From the time of Christ till today, the revealing of God is always to draw people into relationship with Him. Yeah? It's always. So His heart, anytime He reveals Himself, is, to, is an invitation into intimacy. So again, part of that prophetic gift across Christian communities is to reveal the heart of God, to draw people into connection and intimacy with God. And I think about it, you know, across the, the different kind of streams of the church these days there, you know, most people are comfortable to speak to God. Maybe not out loud or maybe, you know, in the way that they do it. Most people are comfortable to speak to God. They're just not always comfortable when he talks back. I'm okay, I'll give him my prayers, but I don't wait around long enough for him to talk back to me. Maybe we might not like what he has to say. So again, even for us as we worship and someone might come in and go, man, these guys, they worship. How long are you going to worship for it? What's with all the, you know, the praying and the weeds, just pulling songs, just making up songs as you go and, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. But it's like, but we're, we're, we're listening for the voice of God. Like corporate, we're listening. What's God saying? Because in every moment he has something to say. He's a chatterbox. He loves to talk to us. 
where his kids, like he's, he's constantly, he's always got something to say. There's always something that he's doing. And as we see that prophetic gift kind of immersed into the culture of the community, then it means that when we gather together, it's like we want to hear the voice of God. More than anything, when we gather together, if God's got something to say, we want to hear it and we want to respond to whatever he has to say. So it means we make space for God to speak. And we make space for us to listen and hear and then obey what he's saying. So some kind of markers of a, of a prophetic community are that they're faithful to God. That one of the kind of primary gifts is, is like we would just want to be faithful to God. Faithful to God in our personal lives. So we pursue righteousness. We pursue holiness because that's what it looks like for me to be faithful to the Lord is to seek Him and give all of myself to Him in everything that I do. Every part of who I am. And then as a, as a corporate community, then we seek to be faithful to God, to follow Him wherever He wants to lead. To not seek idols other than God. To not put anything before Him. Even good Christian things. Good things can very easily become God things in our lives. And that's when, that's when it becomes idolatry. It's harder to catch though. Even ministry, which is a really good thing, can become a God thing and an idol in our life if we're not careful. So it actually gets in the way of God. Or maybe the expansion of the church. It's like we want to we see the church grow and we want to reach out and connect and all of that sort of stuff. But it can then sometimes come into this place where it becomes, you know, growth of the church becomes more important about loving those who are already there. And we, and we do good things at the expense of people. But it's, how can you argue with someone? But surely, Brad, evangelism is good. Yeah, we should be reaching out and you know, seeking to save the lost. Absolutely. But if we're doing it at the expense of people, burning people out, doing sometimes even things that are practical and pragmatic, but that diminish the, the ability for God to speak. So you might have noticed for us, we let Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do here. And for as long as I'm the... the leader of this community that's what it's going to be and if someone comes in and doesn't like what god has to say like that's that's a real shame but if he wants to speak i'm going to let him speak when stuff's happening here and i feel like hey i don't i don't have to ask amy permission can i can i just say something I don't have to ask you because I feel like I have, a, I have a, an authority and a place and a role here to, to be able to speak and to lead and, to, and, and you, you graciously give me that space to do so. But how much more so that Father God, if he has something to say, we're going to let him say it. And if that offends people, well, that's not my responsibility. That doesn't mean that we seek to be offensive. We don't seek to be weird and wacky and all of those sorts of things. But if God wants to be weird and wacky, which he is, then he's going to just be free to do so. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth, what did people think? These guys are all drunk. Nine o'clock in the morning. Maggot. Like, what's... What was Jesus teaching these people? That's, I'll probably, I might have to translate to this. 
it's it's funny that even the thing of like worship and it's and it's kind of like if we just sing a few songs and we sing them how they are on the CD and we clap and we read the words and we go through the motions it's like yeah cool I'm cool with that little do we realize that we're we're, we're singing out to an to a god that we can't see like that's weird to try and like normalize a gathering of the church is like you pretty much got to strip out everything to make it normal to people who don't know Jesus or don't know, have any kind of spiritual or supernatural bent. But what I would rather is to be, no, let's just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And if that looks weird and wacky, sometimes it's more than other times. And then have people come in and encounter the reality of God, encounter the presence of God. Jesus used supernatural signs and wonders as a method of evangelism for the lost. Paul even talks about, he says that prophecy is, is well, he says tongues are a sign for unbelievers because obviously it's, it's wacky, but he says, but in the, in the Christian community, that someone, when somebody comes in, they would hear prophetic words being released and they would recognize that's God. But sometimes you want to strip out those kind of oh weird elements. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. Uh, you know, we had a, we had a, a fire tunnel here <laughs> last night after the, the Green Tree Conference. And, you know, you, I guess you get enculturated somewhat. So I'm just thinking, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And, and then some people are kind of coming through like, like <laughs> whiplash. Like, what are these? There's people touching me. There's people blah, 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 blah. Shaka like a monkey, you know, like doing all sorts of like weird, you know, stuff going on. And then I'm like, oh, that's, that's right. This is, this, is, this is not normal. But... Um, but it is for us. But, but you know, that's just what God's doing. We don't do that all the time, but you're just being led by the Holy Spirit. So that, that priority of being faithful to God is, is above all things. Whatever it costs, we're going to be faithful. And when we're faithful, He's faithful. So a prophetic community hears God and obeys God. So again, we don't just want to hear what God's saying. We want to obey what he's saying we want to do what he's doing and, and come into alignment with that so sometimes sometimes he speaks things that weren't on your agenda they weren't on the to-do list of your life and God challenges you it's like man I'm saving up all this money and oh, what am I going to spend it on because I feel like God's told me I need to save you know I'm like yeah and I've already decided what I'm going to spend it on and then God, and God comes along and says I want you to spend it on this it's like sorry you mean after this and this and this? Like, then I'll, okay, well, if there's any left over, Lord, I'll let you know. Um, you know, he just does. But it's like, well, what choice do I have? When he speaks, then you, you have to obey. And God sometimes speaks wild and fanciful things. And they become realities when we listen and obey and count the cost of what it is to obey Jesus. It's going to cost you. Is that okay that it's going to cost you? But the reward is far greater than any treasure that you will hold on to. And a prophetic community then releases the word of God. To be a prophetic people is to hear and obey, but also to speak out what God's saying. And I love that when, just, when prophecy just becomes a normal part of everyday life for people, even for, you know, for non-Christians, not that they would, but you would prophesy to them. And again, we don't have to package it. It's like, Okay, uh, thus saith the Lord, blah, 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 you know, and, and kind of release it. But just say, hey, I just, I just noticed this about you. I really love this, you know, this, this 
part of who you are. I really love when you do that. And it's the voice of God speaking and drawing out and captivating their heart. You know, words of knowledge, all the different kind of revelation gifts being released. But then across Christian community as well. And, and this is sometimes, I think, where people struggle with prophecy because they put such a high weight on the outcome of prophecy. And they put it almost like in this Old Testament thing. It's like, you're talking about speaking the voice of God. And so, so therefore, I need to know that it's 100% right. It's definitely 100% God. And if I know that, okay, then I'll, then I'll speak it out. And yet that's not the, the um, value set that the New Testament church had. Paul's like, is it encouraging? It is, is it exhorting? Does it build people up? You can speak out something that's the heart of God, that's not in that moment what he is saying to you, but it's still the heart and the reality of God. Okay? Anything that God says about people, that, that's, that's for all of us. But my responsibility in releasing a prophetic word is to release the word. Your responsibility is what you do and how you receive the word. And God's responsibility is to fulfill the word that he has spoken. But in that, my role, hear, obey. Hear with the best of my ability. Obey with the best of my ability. Speak out what I feel like God is saying. And I never say, thus saith the Lord, or this is God, and you better you know, listen and do what I'm telling you. Because it's not my word. It's not, hopefully, not me speaking. But thankfully, I've kind of come to a place, and it's still uncomfortable when you prophesy over people or when you pray for people because you're like, and, and for me, I don't get words of knowledge very much, so I don't look at someone and just get a whole list of things and then come and pray. It's generally when I lay hands on someone and touch them and I close my eyes and I start praying, then I'll get a picture. And the number of times that I've done that and you pray, they just stand there and you, you release what you feel like God's saying and then you go away and nothing. Then six months later, it's like, oh, that time that you prayed for me and this, and oh, breakthrough and all that. I'm like, oh, thanks it would have been awesome to let me know all the time. But, you know, it's good that it, that it worked out for you. Um, but, you know, you don't always get a confirmation. You don't always get a, a fulfillment. And, again, any time that someone prophesies of you, you don't have to take it. You can just flush it. Seriously, you might just go, actually, I just don't feel like that's for me. But, again, as, as we're all becoming a prophetic community, we're all learning to hear God's voice for ourselves. Uh, I like to say that the best prophetic words are confirmation, not revelation. If you're constantly getting revelation from prophetic words and all these different things, and well, I feel like this person said God's sending me this way, and then this person said God's sending me over here, and I'm just confused and I don't know. It's because like, you're not listening for yourself. But when you hear God's voice and you know his voice, I feel like God said this to me and he's telling me to go here. And then someone comes along and says, I feel like God's telling you to go here. I know. <laughs> and someone else, I, I feel like God's I'm like, I know. He's, he told that to me. That's the best thing. That's when it's, when it's a confirmation of what God's saying, not this kind of right-field revel revelation. And so sometimes that helps as well. Then when we get a word, we're like, actually, I'm not sure that's for me. But again, I don't then think, oh, this person, that must be a false prophet. You know, there must be something wrong with them. No, they, just, they were just being obedient. They were just trying to be a good son or a good daughter. Like, I feel like God's, and, and it was encouraging and exhorting, but it might not have been right. And that's okay. Because if you wait for it to be right, you'll never speak anything out. Because you will never know. We usually know, in hindsight, confirmation afterwards. You get a picture, a weird picture, you share this picture, and there's like, I was exactly spot on. So God has already spoken to me about that. And thank you for the confirmation. You're like, oh, 
Thank you, Jesus. I was right. And then the next time you do it, you know. Anyone know Sean Bowles? Bolts? Bowles? So crazy, uh, amazing word of knowledge gift. And so he'll get, you know, surnames, street names, birthdays, phone numbers, all this sort of stuff. Speaks out. And so you see oftentimes it'll be, you know, little videos on, on Facebook or YouTube, whatever of him having these amazing, you know, kind of words. What we don't see is all of the times that he gets it wrong. <laughs> is there a Nancy here? No? No? Okay. Um, what is that? This, you know, what's this date mean? You know, but that's, that's the reality. Like, he's just being faithful. And so it's kind of like you might think, well, I, just, I, don't, you know, I don't prophesy, I don't have, really have a prophetic gift. But if you're never speaking it out, then you actually don't know. You have no idea. You can say, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at art. Have you ever picked up a paintbrush? Oh, well, no, I just know. Well, maybe you need to practice a bit. Anyway, none of that was in the message, but there you go. Freebies. And so, uh, so understanding then what are some of the dynamics of what gets built into a community from the prophetic gift, then to understand in the fivefold ministry context the role of the fivefold in developing that kind of culture and community in a church. So there is a difference between the foundation that a prophet builds and the function of a prophet uh, in a community. So it's not so much about what the prophet does, but it's about the culture that the prophet builds. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 19, says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. So the foundation of the church is built, is, is laid by apostles and prophets. They kind of set some of the parameters and it says then Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So in that building analogy, the cornerstone was the first kind of building block that was laid upon the foundation that set the parameters for the rest of the build. If you've had, ever had any kind of building experience, you always know you've got to start like with a, with a right angle. You've got to get all of your, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll lay that first kind of marking out point and everything gets marked off that. Uh, we, we learned this um, with our house that's getting built and uh, they laid the slab and they'd marked it all out and then they started with a string line on one side of a peg and ended with it on the other side of the peg which meant the whole slab was all slightly out so when I say we learnt it I didn't learn anything because I already knew that um, but apparently the people that do it for a living didn't realise that no they just made a mistake it happens um <laughs> But uh, so then they had to go and, you know, cut sections off and add sections on. But we understand, so Christ himself being the cornerstone, so the whole structure of the church that gets built, gets built based upon Jesus. His character, his nature, his desire, his heart, everything about the life of Christian community should reflect Christ. And again, we understand that with the fivefold ministry, so Ephesians 4.11 the five dynamics of the, of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. 
As you read through that little section of scripture, it talks about that Jesus gave the five so that the body of Christ, the many, might come into unity and oneness and ultimately in the fullness of Christ. So the one gives the five so the many can come into oneness with the one. Yeah? One, five, many, one, one. So the ultimate goal of the fivefold ministry is not to raise up each of those individual gifts. So if I'm apostolic or I'm an apostle in a community, my role isn't to raise up other apostles primarily. If you're a prophet, your role isn't to raise up prophets primarily. That's part of it. Because everyone in a community will have a dynamic of that because those five represent Christ. They're like five parts of Jesus. But he takes himself, because he's so big, splits himself into five, releases him into the community to equip the saints for works of ministry. That word equip means uh, like a chiropractic adjustment. So to adjust the body of Christ, to come into alignment with his nature and character. And when everybody is being equipped like that, they come into a unity in the faith and ultimately the fullness of Christ. So the end game, it starts, the cornerstone is Christ. The building then that gets built looks like Jesus. Because everything gets measured off Jesus. Is that okay? So some of the functions of the prophetic, as I mentioned before, revelation gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge, intercession. There are a whole lot of gifts that come along and functions of the prophetic gifting that operate in a community. But then we have the foundation of the prophet. So it's what they build into the culture of a community. As I mentioned before, one of them is covenant faithfulness. So we understand as a community, as a family of God, our role is to be faithful to God, to be faithful to the Father. In any area of our life, to not get lost chasing other things. Another role of, of building into the foundation is intimacy with God. That we're to know Him and be known by Him. In the book of John, Jesus says, Father, I pray that they would be in, come into oneness, like you and I are one. That we would come into that same measure of oneness with the Father. But the prophetic culture draws people into that place. Part of faithfulness then is obedience. So hearing and obeying. You know, when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll hear my commands and write them down in your notebook. And maybe one day look back and say, oh, I remember learning that. And say, if you love me, you'll learn my commands. If you love me, you'll tell all of your friends about my commands. If you love me, you'll get a tattoo with one of my commands on your arm that tells everybody about what one of my commands are. If you love me, you'll go to Bible college to learn how to stand up in front of people and tell people about my commands. Is that what it says? It says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That's where the fruitfulness of the word of God comes out. When the seed's planted and, it, and it's released in obedience. The foundation of a prophet uh, reveals the heart of God reveals the heart of the Father to the people of God. In a prophetic culture, it's always God first and us second. 
God is number one priority. And that doesn't then mean that people aren't a priority because they're a priority to God, but he's first priority. That nothing would be put before him. A prophetic community has a presence focus that we, we recognize that God is not just present in us, but he's present amongst us. And when we gather together corporately or when we're alone, God's there. I want to let you know as well that scripture that says where two or more are gathered, I'm in the midst of them. That is in the context of conflict resolution. Please don't ever quote it to me as saying, oh, there's a couple of us here. Oh, God's here in the midst of us. No, he, he lives inside of me. That's way better. <laughs> He's, I'm a, like a, literally a portable Holy Spirit container. Yeah? Hotspot. Yeah, there we go. Holy Spirit hotspot. But we are. Now, in the midst, that's talking about agreement and when it comes into agreement with, with conflict and all of that sort of stuff, that God is, is functioning in the midst of that to bring about his plans and purposes and righteousness and all of those sorts of things. God is with us at all times, but we have that focus on, Father, you're here and you're, you're making yourself known amongst us. That we honor God over people and we gather for God and not for other people. So then even when we gather together, See, evangelism was, is never about come here. Evangelism is go there. That's what, that's what mission is, to be a sent people. To be an apostolic people is to be a sent people. That We're out there because that's where all the people are that don't know Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus did. Himself, then when he sent out the 70 or the 72, he sent them out into towns to find the person of peace to release that. Evangelism, discipleship is all of our responsibility. It's not on the church to say, well, we need to have, you know, and I've, I've had people ask this question. It's like, Brad, if I brought my friend along on a Sunday, they'd be really freaked out. I'm like, yeah, probably. So why are you bringing them? Well, oh, because I want them to know Jesus. Then tell them about Jesus. It's not my job. I've got enough friends to tell about Jesus. I don't need your friends too. But it is, but we, we have this culture where we've, we've taken that responsibility away from people. And we said, no, no, yeah, the church will be. And so then our Sundays then are all about like making it palatable for people who don't know Jesus. It then makes it palatable for people who, who would call themselves Christians but actually don't want to follow Jesus. Selah. So the primary role, I'm not saying the only role, but the primary role in the fivefold context, the primary role of the prophet in a church family is not to prophesy or even to raise up prophets. Rather, it is to lay a prophetic foundation of covenant faithfulness and intimacy with God that all other ministry is built upon. So when we shepherd people, we do it on a prophetic foundation. When we evangelize people, we're doing that because that structure has been built on a prophetic foundation, etc., etc. So a prophetic gift that isn't built upon a prophetic foundation will become, ultimately become distorted. So we can hear and speak, but we're not faithful to his heart. You know, sometimes you come across people and they've got an amazing prophetic gift and yet they miss the heart of God in the word that they're releasing. Because it hasn't been built on a desire. It's like I can hear and I can speak out, but I'm only hearing, I'm not engaging. 
I'm not letting the, the, the voice and the reality and the presence of the heart of God actually transform me into his likeness. Because if I'm not part of a fivefold community, then I'm not being formed into the likeness of Jesus. If you have a prophetic gifting, you're not supposed to be a great prophet. You're supposed to be a great Jesus that prophesies. That's my daughter. <laughs> Prophecy is a gift from Holy Spirit, but prophets are a gift from Christ. Which is why we also need, we need a prophetic DNA, not just prophetic gifting. We don't just want people running around with the ability to prophesy. I've encountered people and they've encountered me. <laughs> you could prophesy. But they didn't carry the, the heart of God. They didn't, they weren't, they, you know, they didn't capture the, the prophetic DNA. They weren't faithful. They weren't intimate with the Father. It's like, well, yeah, the, the word might be completely accurate. I just don't want anything to do with it because it's not carrying the fullness of God in the word. And of course, then, in, in Christian community, there are people who will carry more of a prophetic gift themselves. And they'll feel like that's kind of one of the things on their life is to prophesy or maybe to be an intercessor or to, to have a word of knowledge gift. And so then the prophet in the community will help to raise them up and to train them in that. But as we belong to a fivefold family, the nature of Jesus is being developed in us. We're being transformed into his likeness. True prophetic ministry reveals and manifests the heart of God and the nature of God not just the words of God. You cannot prophesy an accurate word from God if the heart and nature of God is not present. If love is not present, then God is not present. So that doesn't mean that the person... So just even if you prophesy in the name of Jesus, you're carrying and you're releasing the heart of Father, it doesn't mean they'll receive the word or they'll even receive the word as loving because there's always there's the giving and then there's the receiving of a word from God. But my responsibility is when I prophesy to be prophesying not just what I'm hearing, but prophesying the heart of God and prophesying out of my heart that's being formed into the likeness of God's. 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So you might have listened to my little bit and said, oh, Brad, I don't know, that sounds a bit harsh. Then you read what Paul says, you go, okay. I sounded less harsh then, didn't I? I didn't say you were nothing. <laughs> I'm a nice guy, Really? If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love. Oh, my iPad's going all over the place. But have not love, I gain nothing. Love's got to be contained. Real love is only present when the heart of God is present. my daughter <laughs> you get to learn their cries so to prophesy in the name of Jesus means to prophesy in the nature of Jesus 
So the name of Jesus is his nature. It's the character of Christ. It's not a magic word that we throw in at the end of our prayers. I feel like God's saying this, blah, 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 in Jesus' name. Tick of approval, crossed off, done, all good. And I know we, we, we say that, but, but essentially we're saying that we want that it's the character of Christ. The, when you are named, it related to your father. That's where your naming came from. Your genealogy was drawn and you were, you were called to reflect the nature of your father in that way. So when we prophesy in the name of Jesus, we need to be prophesying in the nature of Jesus. So our responsibility is that my character is being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And out of that place, I prophesy. Out of that place, I serve. You know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So important. We want to see what God's doing and partner him with that. But also, he was the exact imprint of the Father's nature. So he not only did what he saw the Father doing, but he did it as the Father would do it. And there's two examples in the life of Jesus that for us, we don't just hear what God's saying, but we do it as he would do it. Blank faces. Heart transformation is required to walk in the true intent of the prophetic calling. If the well is messy, the word will be messy. This is why, again, when people come in, they've got a prophetic gift. I'm like, get around some shepherds. Get your heart healed. Get the nature of Christ imprinted and conformed in your heart. And then prophesy out of that place. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. Matthew 5.6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a pursuit of righteousness that's required. It's not just about pursuing the ear of God, but the heart of God. In prophetic community, prophets create an environment where God feels most welcome. It's where he is honored and glorified, where his presence dwells abundantly. This environment comes as the whole community walks together in their prophetic identity. That we don't raise up some, well, they're the ones that hear from God, and I'll just wait for them to hear from God, and then I'll, I'll receive what God has to say. It's all of us together. It's like in worship. It's like, it's not, it's not the team up here. It's not their job to worship. It's your job. It's all of us. And I want to tell you, if you're standing here, disconnected from God, making judgments, all that sort of stuff, we can feel it. We know. It's like, whoo, some opposition in the room today. That's what the intercessors spend a lot of their time doing up the front here, is battling the unrighteousness in people's hearts that's being manifest in the room. It's It's annoying. I don't want to have to, we don't want to have to take responsibility for other people's hearts because it's not our responsibility. But it's like we stand and we judge. Like, oh, this song again. Oh, what are they singing about? Leaning on your chest. Oh, that's a bit weird. Oh, I want to lean on Jesus' chest. Deal with your heart. If you come in and you're just feeling just stinky and gross and grumpy and it's like, like, God bless you that you're here, but yield yourself and say, Father God, change my heart. Bring me into your reality. Give me a heavenly perspective on the circumstance, God. But that's, it's all of our responsibility. These aren't the worship leaders. They're the worshiper leaders. 
so they help. And as I said, we've had experiences here where when I've been, I know when I've been leading worship, and it's happened many times, but I've, where I've felt it, and you're leading, and all of a sudden the room starts to lead the worship. You go, that is the goal. That's the goal of a prophetic community, is that you're up here and you're going, okay, where, where's everyone going? Don't leave me behind. <laughs> like, you know? but that's how it should be. All of us taking responsibility. All of us hearing from God. And because Holy Spirit is corporate, he might give you an individual word that's just for you, but he'll also draw you in to what he's speaking corporately to the community. And you get to enter into that. There's nothing special about the people that you see up here. Nothing special about them. The only difference is, maybe for some, is that they've taken responsibility for their life. They've taken responsibility for hearing from God and obeying what God is saying. Like that's, that's, that's what leadership looks like often, is just being responsible for what God has given you. A healthy prophetic culture is developed in a healthy fivefold culture because it produces prophets that look like Jesus. And the reality is that those who are unfaithful don't like the voice of the prophet. They don't like a prophetic voice. They don't like a prophetic community because they get exposed. They just don't. People who are unfaithful to God don't enjoy a prophetic culture. It bothers them because they, they, they get exposed. Who's ever felt exposed by a prophet? Yeah. No one, just me. Me and Richard. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Some, you know, like I said, place, but what better place to be? You know, the prophetic voice, it challenges the status quo, which is why it's, you know, one of the first things to get shut down in Christian community. It's what the Jezebel spirit seeks to do. Shut down the prophetic voice of God. Because if the enemy shuts down the voice of God, then people don't hear the voice of God, then they don't follow God, and they can't be faithful to God. They can't go where he's doing and accomplish what he wants them to accomplish. But it challenges the status quo. If we're just sitting back and, and resting on our laurels, the prophetic voice comes like, come on, people. And it can come across as harsh sometimes, I, I know that, and that's, again, the, the role sometimes of the prophetic is, is, is releasing the fullness of the heart of the Father. But sometimes it's God gives us warnings for our own benefit, but it's a stern warning. Like we think God's just going to be like, oh, yeah, no, just do whatever you want. It's like, no, no, he's, he's, he's got a plan and a purpose that he wants to accomplish. There are people that don't know Jesus that he wants to draw into his kingdom. And guess what? He doesn't have a plan B. He's got you and you are his plan A. You're God's plan A. There is no plan B. The church, the bride of Christ, we are God's plan A. We are called to be the governmental ruling authority, spiritual authority in the nations. That's what we're called to do. And yet when the prophetic voice is stripped and robbed from a community, we can't do that. 
As I said before, prophets in the Old Testament are always calling people back to covenant faithfulness to God. So the prophetic DNA creates a culture of pursuing increasing faithfulness to God. So we pursue purity, a life of no compromise. We pursue righteousness, holiness, love, passion. All of the things that God wants to do that we position ourselves to hear and obey all the things that he wants to do. And everything that he wants to do is good. Everything that he wants to do is ultimately for our benefit. If we hear and we obey and we follow what he's doing. He loves his people. God loves his people. God loves his children. And I don't want to strip anything away of how much God loves you. But you are not an island. You are not the center of the universe in any way, shape or form. So God will leave you behind if you don't want to follow him. God has a, a passionate heart of pursuit after the lost. Yes, he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. But he's not going to diminish his plans and purposes for the nations because you're too stubborn and disobedient to follow what he wants to say and what he's calling you to. I just feel like it's just so important that we don't get so arrogant under the grace of God. That we don't become arrogant in his, in his mercy. You know, well, well, the grace of God covers me. No, it doesn't. The mercy of God covers you. The grace of God empowers you. You want to walk in his fullness, you need his grace. You need his presence. You need his power to do it. And God is so merciful. I know he is merciful to me. Because I don't get it and I make poor choices and I do the wrong thing. But my heart is always coming back. I'm just always, I'm coming back, Father. I'm coming back to faithfulness, Lord. I'm not going to keep walking in these ways anymore. I'm coming back to faithfulness, Lord. The prophetic voice draws people into the current flow of what God is doing. They're interested in seasons more than doctrines. And we go where God leads us then. We're not asking God to bless our plans, but we want to become God's plan. We want to become God's plan. We're not saying, well, God, I've got a plan. Will you bless my plan? I say, God, I'm here. What are your plans? Let me become your plans, Lord. Let me be your plans. I'll be the fulfillment of what you desire, Lord, because I have everything that I need. There's actually nothing else that I want because I've got you, Lord. So here I am, and, I'm not, and God doesn't use and abuse people, but he gives the fullness of himself to us. And we get to give the fullness of ourselves back to him. And then there's that joy and that delight. It's not a burden to follow God. It's like, what else would I rather be doing than follow Jesus? So we're all encouraged to prophesy, which as I said before, it means we can all prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.5, Paul says, Now I want all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So there's a requirement for the prophetic gift to be present in a community because that's what builds up the church. It edifies and exhorts the body. 
And again, when Paul's speaking of talking about speaking in tongues, he's not talking about praying in tongues and a prayer language. That's actually a different word. To pray in tongues is different than to speak in tongues. When he's talking about speaking in tongues, he's talking about in the corporate gathering of the church, when somebody has a tongue and they speak it out, Paul's saying it's better to do that when there's someone there to interpret what is being said. He is not speaking against speaking in tongues. He's not saying don't do it. He's just saying, hey, do it orderly so there's somebody who doesn't know Jesus gets to hear the voice of God. But I, I know that that's often used as a, as, a, as a reason to shut down the release of tongues in, in the corporate gathering of the church. But what, it, what often then people don't go to is like, no, but Paul's saying no, more than tongues is prophecy. So if you say, oh no, we don't, we don't, you know, we're not into having tongues, you know, in the corporate gathering, it might upset people or whatever. It's like, well then you better have prophecy. Otherwise, there's no voice. We don't like tongues. No, that's fair enough. Or you don't have someone to interpret. It's good wisdom. But you better have prophecy. Otherwise, you got nothing. I'm so black and white sometimes, aren't I? Hmm. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I want you to know you can hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice. There might be something blocking it, but when that blockage goes, you can hear God's voice. So what's our part to play in building a prophetic community? Well, I think the first step is that we've got to be open to becoming a prophetic people. We've got to deal with whatever lie there might be that would say, I don't hear from God, or I'm not prophetic. I'm not saying you're a prophet, but you can prophesy. And I understand, oh, but that's scary. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we think getting up in front of people and singing and playing instruments isn't scary. Or speaking, you know, like, like there's a whole lot of things that are scary, but, but you do them because they're important. And it's God and it's life-giving. Like when, when you prophesy over somebody and they're like, oh, that just touched my heart. That was such a confirmation. It's like, so cool. I remember the first time that I prayed for someone and I started seeing visions in my mind. So again, I didn't grow up in the church. The church that I was a part of, um, didn't, um, they weren't like anti the gifts of the Spirit, but they also didn't like encourage and kind of encourage you to, to walk in them. So I kind of like received a bit of a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had a, like a prayer language in tongues, but I you know, rarely kind of used it because I didn't really even know what it was for. Um, but when, uh, yeah, six months into planning the church, I got, this church got baptized in the Holy Spirit, like a, I don't know if it was a secondary baptism or whatever, but it was the following weekend, or about a week and a half later, we had a dinner party at um, Amy and Rachel's house. And uh, they'd invited some other Christian friends and we had dinner together, just hanging out. And, uh, and they're like, oh, let's just go have some like prayer and worship time. So they put worship on the background. Uh, there might have been eight or ten of us in the room. And we just started praying. And so then I, okay, I'll, I'll go pray. And prayer for me used to be kind of, particularly praying for people, is a little bit boring. You just kind of think, okay, what, what should I bless them about? What do I know about them? Okay, God, I just pray you bless their work and bless that and bless their kids and, you know, bless, bless, bless. Which is good. There's nothing wrong with blessing people. Um, but, it, but I lay hands on the first person. It's like, and then I see this picture in, like, in my mind, in my imagination. I'm like, 
oh, wow, that's cool. And so then I just start speaking. I just see this picture and I feel that the picture would change and then more stuff would come. And, and, then, and it was like three hours of praying for people. Every person that I prayed for, I saw visions. And I was like, that was so much fun. It was awesome. Like I used to, prayer was like boring. You know, you'd have a prayer meeting. You'd do, you know, it was important and you, and you kind of did it. But man, when you start seeing pictures from God, and again, you've got to trust it. The first time that I spoke in tongues, I got a word and then I started doing it. And it's like, this sounds so dumb. This is not what I expected it to be. But God, I'm, I'll be a fool for you, Lord, if I get you at the end. I love when Bill Johnson talks about in, in his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, that he has this encounter with Holy Spirit one night and his whole body's shaking and he's kind of paralyzed, electricity flooding through this crazy thing. And he got to this point where he's like, I don't know if this is going to stop. But he's like, I can't, I can't go to my church like this and, you know, people are going to drag me in, you know, like, uh, like paralyzed under the power of God. But he came to that place where he's like, but Lord, I'd be willing to trade my dignity for your presence. So what we've got is sometimes we've got to be willing to, to trade our dignity to receive the gift of God. And I don't, I, I, you know, I don't believe, you know, God's not in, in the business of, you know, making you feel undignified. But, but that's, you know, we've got to just be willing. It's like, Lord, I'm, I'm willing. I know probably, I, you know, I might stand up here or I, I've talked about, you know, praying or prophesying over people. And then I tell them, oh man, I'm always just so nervous. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, should I pray for them? I don't know. What am I going to pray? And then you go over and you pray and, and whatever. But it's like, it's, it's just weird and awkward all the time. And I tell that to people and they go, what, you? No, surely not you, Brad. Surely you just have all the confidence in the world to speak over any person and to prophesy and all this. I was like, no. Every time I'm just like, this feel awkward. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, even the, you know, the ministry times during the conference and I'm standing here, I'm like, Go over and like, I don't know, I'll let Baron Rochelle pray. They can pray or pray. <laughs> no, no, they, they'll. Because I'm just going to walk over and they're going to be like, oh, oh, it's Brad. I was hoping it was someone else, but okay, you can, you know. But I do it anyway. And then when you do it anyway, then you see the fruit that comes out and you go, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Scared even. A prophetic community gives value to intimacy with God. As I said, if you feel like you carry a prophetic call in your life, seek the heart of God and the character of Christ and not just the voice of God. Because that, like the reality is, if you, if you like hear God easily, like, oh yeah, man, I have throne room encounters all the time, all that sort of stuff, it's like, awesome. That's not your area of investment that is probably required from, for you and from you. Because if that bit's easy and this bit's hard... Work on this bit. Work on your interpersonal relationships. Work on the healing of your heart. Don't ignore the heart of that. It helps when we, when we enter into, to, that we become passionate worshippers of God. I know even this morning, and I'm, I'm on my knees, and I'm waving my hands around, and I catch myself, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What is this anyway? What is this? What is this? Like... It's like it's a slippery slide. Like I don't know what's going on. Like, why why kneel? Then less people can see me. But it's like, but I don't know. That's what I feel like Holy Spirit's wanting me to do. 
So I'm just going to do it, Lord. I'm just going to be free in my, in my worship. And hey, if I look like an idiot, then it's not my problem. Because I only look like an idiot to other people. I can't see me, so I'm all good. But God can see me. God can see my heart. He can see my heart of faithfulness. I'm like, God, I'm just willing to be abandoned to you, Lord. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. But you catch yourself sometimes going, oh, people might be looking at me. I'm like, oh, well, good. No, because maybe they'll look at me and go, man, that guy looks free in his worship. I want some of that. Because you can stand in judgment, but you can also stand in expectation. Say, God, I want some of that. Because that's what I do when I see people and they're like, man, they're so free in an air. I'm like, I want some of that, Lord. And if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. That's the testimony. That's the power of testimony. But I don't look in lack. I say, yeah, I don't have that. But I can have it. Because God can give it to me. Because he's a good God and he gives good gifts to his children. So you can hear somebody prophesies amazingly or speaks eloquently and you go, you're not going to go, well, that's them, good for them. It's like, I want that, Lord. Give me some of that. Go and ask them to pray for you. That's what I did. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had, I had, it was just like, I felt like a baby in the world. Like the whole kingdom realm had been opened up to me. I was like, I know nothing. So this is six months into planting a church. Like I'd spent a year in preparation. I knew all, like, I'm, you know, diligent in my study of the scriptures I can preach and I've led a big ministry youth ministry all this sort of stuff I'm like I, I know what I'm doing and you get baptized in all these spirits like I know nothing <laughs> but I was around people who knew the things of the spirit so what I'd do is Amy and Rachel would be praying for people and I'd just come and stand alongside and I'd listen to what they're saying oh, yeah that's cool yeah Right, yep, yep, yep. And then, and I wouldn't, and I just learnt. Like, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the pastor of the church, you understand? Like, I'm not talking about my humility, but I was like, they've got something that I don't have, but I want to learn it, and I can learn it, and God can give that to me, but I'm going to put myself in that place. So again, so we, we flew over to Brisbane for two nights because Bill Johnson was there. I'm like, I'm just going to get in that prayer tunnel and get to get Bill Johnson to lay hands on me. And, and it happens, and I don't fly across the room and get all drunk in the spirit. Nothing happens. But by faith, Father, I just receive whatever you release to me, Lord. And then Randy Clark comes with his healing school. I'm like, God, I'm there. And I spend a week sitting there. I'm just like, I'm going to get that person. I'm going to get him to pray for me. And I receive and I wait. Nothing happens. And I'm like, okay, Lord. But faithfully, I receive what you have for me. And just putting myself in that position, in that place of learning and humility to receive. And I've received just slowly that trickle. And again, I, don't, I love getting whacked. I'm like... Anytime Holy Spirit is moving, I'm like, I want to be the most whacked person. Like if I'm embarrassingly drunk in the Spirit of God, give it to me, Lord. Give it to me, Lord. I remember one time we had a, we were at another church hosting a conference, but um, the guy was, you know, got everyone up the front and praying for them. And, and, uh, and so I was catching people, you know, doing, doing the catcher thing. And he comes online and comes to my wife, Lisa, and, and he had like a, just a, a thing he was using like as a prophetic, kind of like a prayer shawl type thing. And he put it on someone's head or put it over their shoulders and he puts it on Lisa's shoulders. Just before we got up to pray, I looked at Lisa and I heard the word um, pillar. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So anyway, so praying he prays for her I'm there ready to catch and he's like prays a bit and she receives and then he's like he's, and then he points to me he said Brad pray for your wife so I'm like okay so do a lot of press put my hands and then and it was literally like God picked me up in the air and slammed me into the ground like full WWF body slam I don't know how it happened but it was just like whoa boosh on the ground and then I'm out of it 
I remember at the same conference, it was like, <laughs> um, yeah, you don't know Rachel's husband, Luke? Is Luke here? He's with Tobias. But Luke's, you know, he's, he's just a pretty, you know, cool guy. You know, like he's a manly kind of man. And uh, in this conference, and he was, he got smashed by the Holy Spirit. He was on the ground in the fetal position, like giggling, like high-pitched giggling. Totally, but I'm just like, it was just so good and so awesome. But I was just like, God, give me more of that. Anytime you want to do that to me, I'll be the one that everyone, that people are snickering about because I'm encountering God. Like way better than my dignity. Anyway. But becoming passionate worshippers, letting yourself go. Now, again, it's not about like how much you wave your arms in worship that makes you a passionate worshipper, but you're free to be free, to seek freedom for your heart. Now, a free person can stand still or a free person can jump and sing. The, the only thing is they're free to do either one. If you're only free to do one and you're like, well, I'm not, oh, I'll never do that, then it means you're not free. You're not free. You might say, that's not my personality. That's good. But if God says, go and do that, you need to be free to be able to do it. I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that's, you know, I'm not an extroverted person. You might be surprised. But it's like all of this. When I was 16 years old, when I first came to, started going on to church, I was so socially awkward. I could barely hold a conversation with people. And then God does this, you know, it's like... This is not me. This is not my norm. But God does it. And the more freedom that is released in me, it's like, so I can be free to be still and just to be quiet and to be on my own. Or I could be free to be extravagant and passionate and loud and do all those things because I'm free. So I encourage you, seek freedom. Don't seek to be something. Don't seek to be, I want to be like that person because they can do all that. Seek to be free. And if God says, go and be like that, you can go and be like that. And if he says, go and lay on the floor on your face, you can go and do that. But that's part. Your body is engaged in worship because you are a body, soul, spirit person. So our bodies need to be engaged. There's just a beautiful and amazing things that happen with the whole of ourselves. God says, love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with the fullness of who you are. You're called to worship God. All right, that'll do. Because we've gone way over time. Not that we have an end time, but, you know, it's time. I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are building us into a prophetic house, Lord. You're building us into a prophetic community, God, that you're releasing the sound of your voice, Lord, and you're awakening our ears to hear, God. And I just pray, Father, a release of grace upon us this morning, Lord, your empowering presence, Father, to hear, Lord, even maybe for the first time, Lord, that we would position ourselves, even though we're scared, like, what if I put myself in that position to hear and you don't speak, Lord, that we would, Lord, we would have a grace even to stand over our fear and through our fear and put ourselves in that place, Lord, just to wait until you speak, God. But I pray, Lord, that you would release this mercy and grace upon us, Father, to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying, Lord. And I pray, Father, that increase of freedom, Lord, as we pursue freedom in our hearts, Lord, that we'd be a people that can worship you freely and speak out freely what you are saying, Lord. Father, not just in when we gather corporately as a community, Father, but when we're in our workplaces, Father, in our homes, Lord, at universities, at the shopping center, Lord, that you would be 
speaking to us, God. You'd be calling us into, into intercession, Lord, that we would obey. You'd be calling us to speak and release words of knowledge and pray over strangers, Lord, in the car park, God. Father, we just want to be a people that do whatever you want us to do, Lord. But Father, we can't do that if we're not hearing from you, God. And I just thank you, Lord, that your desire is to speak to each one of us, Lord. Each one of your children, Lord. Each one of your sheep, Jesus. You want to speak to us, Lord. And you want us to hear your voice, Lord. And Father, it's not all about giving us commands of what to do. You just want to speak your love over us, Lord. You want to speak your delight over us, Father. You just want to tell us how amazing and beautiful and wonderful you think we are, Lord. You want to call forth our identity. You want to call out the gold in us, Lord. You want to counter, Father, even the own voices in our head or maybe the voices that the world would speak over us, Father. You want to counter them, Lord, in your presence to say, that's not what I think. I know that's what your friends might say. This is what I got to say. I know that's what the world might say, but this is what I've got to say. And that's what your, your history might say, but this is what I have to say. And I just thank you, Father, there's no condemnation, Lord, when we don't hear your voice, Father. It's, there's no condemnation, but there's invitation, Lord, that you're inviting us to hear your voice. You're inviting us to hear your voice, Lord, the voice of a good Father who just delights to speak to us, to sing over us. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Amen.